Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 94. Yeah, episode 94. That's the one that comes after 93, before 95. So we're... Insert number joke here. So we're not yet to 95. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, that's all. Cool. Cool. So episode 94, I mean, hell of a number, hell of an episode. (laughs) It was a hell of an episode, though. We had an awesome guest. We did a a, a Minneapolis local, uh, a singer, a songwriter. And she was here. She was in studio. In studio, yeah. We we went on a bit of a run of in-studio episodes. What a fucking treat. Truly a treat. And... This was Claire DeLune joining Claire us. Lune, yes. And she was a treat in and of herself. Uh, an excellent artist, an excellent singer, someone who I'm a new, newly minted fan of. And that was before I got to meet her, and I, I like her even more now. Yeah, I mean, we, we say it even on the episode, probably. I, I don't remember exactly, but I was so excited to have her on because she's just such a, such a real, raw, like beautiful person and that's what we dug into was authenticity it was that realness it was the the rawness it was the beauty <laughs> it, was, it was claire was uh, gracious enough to take her through uh, take us through her personal journey her personal career path through music and there was a lot of authentic moments therein and the pursuit of authenticity is something that really shone through uh, uh we think it I think it made a really good conversation. I think so too, man. We really connected with it and we connected a lot of dots for thoughts we've had prior and and ideas we've sort of floated and a lot of it kind of like came crashing down in a good way. In the best way. In the very best way. When I think of authenticity, Vinny boy... I, what do you think of Grant? I sometimes actually just think of like, oh, what's the, what's the like minimal interference? What's the closest A to B? in a good way in a let's like get rid of all the superfluous things and let's just like get to the nectar let's get to the goodness tear it down and uh in some ways in many ways in all the ways uh squarespace is that to me it lets me just create the thing i want to create without having to worry or deal with actually (laughs) a lot of the other elements (laughs) when i said it that way i got sort of concerned like oh wait it's stopping me from dealing with like reality it felt a bit like a drug the <laughs> right, way i right, phrased right. it there and so but i hesitated it, it does have a couple drug like qualities yes. so honestly <laughs> so, in, in the best possible way again uh squarespace uh, it's um we, it's as useful as it can be it's hyper intuitive it's beautiful and it's well regarded for very good reason absolutely and we run our website which is uh, 10khrs, 10khrs.co uh, through Squarespace, and we have for fucking three years now. Yeah, working on three. Yeah, shouts out to Squarespace. Thank you guys. And uh, if you want 10% off, uh, we think you should <laughs> send us a, a signed picture with like a little note that's a, and like a sucker and like $4. And yeah. we'll t- okay. No, no, what no. you actually have to do though is much yeah, easier. Yeah. Yes, you use the coupon code, the offer code, the promo code, the ten thousand hours code of ten thousand hours. That's one zero, not one zero. Well, the number one. Oh boy! No, no, this, no, 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 no. This again. I got this. The number one. Put that first, as it should be, right? And then put a zero second. The zero goes second. So now you have the number ten. Now put three zeros after the 10 which now creates 10,000 now you have 
10,000. You have a one, one, four zeros. Put the letter H, the letter O, the letter U, the letter R, the letter S. Right up tight against the 10,000. Oh boy. 10,000 hours is the coupon code. You're going to get 10% off. And it's just that simple. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Squarespace. For you wanted your to thank me. I could see you were looking at me. You're like, thank you so much, Grant, for that. <laughs> for, for that, that coupon code, <laughs> for that opportunity. And, and for the, the opportunity of the show. What a treat. Uh, thank you, Squarespace, for your patronage. Uh, thank you, Claire, Claire, for joining us. Uh, it was a great episode. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Now oh. and as always. We talked about tacos. What a treat of an episode. I'm going to bury the lead here. Dig into this episode. We got into tacos later. <laughs> uh, and thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoy episode 94 authenticity my meeting with title was actually in the rock nation uh conference room Mm. which is where dj khaled had a meeting because i guess he's like managed by rock nation or whatever Man. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we've got to go because DJ Khaled needs this room. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Mr. Vince. Grant. Grant, my friend. It's so nice to see long you. Long time no see. <laughs> well, it's not. Not that long. Not that long. We are stacking them up here as I'm um, back for a bit. Get the record going. Hit the record button a few times. Yeah, but talk right into the mic. It's been actually really fun already, and today's going to be really fun, too. Oh, yeah. It's a real treat. <sighs> Who knows what the answer will be? I don't know if it'll be that different from the last time I spoke to you. Mm, but my, I'm getting a <laughs> precognition. I don't think so. A tingling, tingling, tingling. I'm curious. What are you working on? What are you putting your time into? Mm, well, busy at work. It's kind of the same checklist of things. Uh, XL, super busy at Yamamoto and busy at home with more work and busy, I should say, on this podcast as well. It's been, we've been doing a lot. We've been doing a lot. Yeah, it's good. It's great. It oh, feels it's good. Super hitting good. that, hitting that rhythm. Ooh, in stride. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, can I extend the same question to you? What have you certainly, been putting your time Certainly, and it has not changed that much, but uh, just prepping, about to leave for tour and... Just getting a bunch of stuff settled away. Actually, personal site. Made a bunch of progress on my personal site. It's looking pretty dope. I'll have to show you a preview. Perhaps by the time this is on the air. I'm excited for that because that'll be like your sixth site in the time that it's taking me to make not even one. Well, come on. It's it's, quality, not quantity. And let's leave that there. No, 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 no. Let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Busy. Yes. Oh, man. You say we're working on the podcast. You are so correct. And not only are we working on it, it's such a treat to have so many in-studio guests. Truly. That was was something, as I'm about to hit the road for a little while, it was like, let's get some people in the studio. It's it's really, really fun to have people in the studio. And let's just like... Get some of the get some of if, the Minneapolis homies. It really grounds the episode, I think. Absolutely, and we've got some really cool people that I've wanted to talk to, and that I I told you before uh, when you got here, I was like, man, I'm so excited to talk to both the people we're talking to today, the person we talked to yesterday, like all these Minneapolis folk are so talented, so cool. 
I'm looking over at her. She seems ready. She seems excited. Yay. Yes. So actually, and I'm pretty sure you've probably been in here before recording with my roommate, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, not recording because we didn't actually get anything done because we got distracted and decided to DJ instead. Oh, nice. <laughs> we oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff. Respect. Okay. <laughs> the voice you're hearing is uh, is a voice that is often singing and very lovely, lovely tunes. Uh, Claire of Tiny Deaths, her band is called Tiny Deaths. I'm a huge fan of their music, and I'm a huge fan of the human Claire. Oh, man. Yeah, Thanks. we're so happy to have you. And I'm pretty sure you've been referenced on the show before when we had Andrea Swenson on. Oh, yes. cool. Yes, and we were like... I haven't heard that episode yet. Oh, you got to go check that out. I do. Because I was telling her I'd listened to your episode on her show, The mm-hmm. OK Show, and I said, that was really fucking good episode, and Claire's awesome, and you're pretty cool, too. <laughs> I mean, she's awesome too, but I mean, like, you know, yeah. you're. Yeah, no, I get it. It takes time to build up to that level. You've put in the time. Yeah. And now we've completed the holy triangle. And speaking of time, Claire, could you perhaps tell us what are you putting your time into right now? What are you working on? Um. Well, uh, Tiny Deaths is working on our next record. Well, it's actually done. We're working on how we're going to put it out. Um, so I've been kind of trying to formulate a plan for that. And then we also just finished recording a cover that I can't say of what yet. Uh. It's supposed to be a surprise, but it's Ooh. maybe my favorite thing you've ever done. And it, yeah. I didn't even write the song. So fuck yeah. I'm excited. That's great. That. And you currently have an EP out, right? Yep. Uh, we have two. Well, our second EP just came out in February. Yeah. Our first one came out like about a year and a half ago, the self titled. Second one's called Night Flowers. Mm hmm four song EP. Um, yeah. So it feels like just yesterday that it came out, but it actually it does, yeah. me too. It was That's like lovely. three months ago. So And we'll show notes that. That's really lovely stuff. And it is. Yeah, I, I was yeah. listening today. I hadn't heard you guys before, but I'm already a fan. <laughs> well, Didn't thanks. take long. Didn't nice. take long. <laughs> Not at all. Hook line and sinker, huh? <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm in. Cool. Grant. <laughs> Vince. <laughs> we're gonna segue you're gonna say speaking of in let's I would, get in I was hoping topic. No? that okay. I was gonna prompt you by just saying your name and then you would I would take over I kind of I didn't really have anything queued up yeah I, I felt that I, I could see it in your eyes and the listeners can't <laughs> can see your eyes right now but they looked they looked like they were screaming for help <laughs> So, Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. You did not look like that. You were in control. You're killing it. You're great. <laughs> All right. Listen, you're worth it. You're <laughs> like, okay. Uh, why I was so excited to have Claire on was uh, just getting to know her and hearing more about what she's been doing, what she's done, and even just being familiar with some of her work earlier, you know, a few years ago. Uh, it's just been like a treat to dig into that and to like really like just get to know you because you're a really fucking cool person. And one thing that's really stood out to me in that process has been your voice, not just singing, but your voice seems, I don't want to say fully formed because that implies it's like not going to evolve, but mm-hmm. it feels like it's like coming from such a real place. And that's why I think the topic of authenticity feels like a really authentic, a really good fit here. <laughs> you know, really that, that's kind of a big, that's a big topic. Yeah. Authenticity is like pretty, pretty important. And so I think you're a really good person to have that conversation with. Yeah. Well, that's flattering. Um, I definitely have learned a lot about that topic over the last few years and of my career um, and just as a human. 
Um, it's really important to me. It's near and dear to my heart um, as far as it's definitely a hallmark of what I try and do and something that's a priority above pretty much all else um, in our music is just that it's um, comes from an authentic place, not just uh, aesthetically, like the kind of music I want to do, but just being truthful in the music, whether that's um, emotional truth or musical truth or whatever it is, just not trying to be something that you're not and mm -hmm. listening to your intuition. I can't help but think of two, are they words or are they phrases technically? If they're two, if they're hyphenated. The, uh, phrases, yeah. Ah. We got caught, really got caught on the hyphen. Got caught on the hyphen again. Depends. No, but uh, season one, season one of the show for mm -hmm. us was so uh, centered around the idea of self awareness. Yeah, that was the theme, and actually season two as well. Though it, we, it's still a theme. It's still a theme. But I think where we've evolved from there has been like self definition. Mm -hmm. But I think when we're talking about authenticity, finding your voice, doing any of those things, that's really where that comes from. So maybe you can yeah. even just like start off. Maybe there's like. A particularly salient moment or you could just even talk about getting started in the path of being a singer songwriter music yeah, where, does, yeah. where does that all begin you for mentioned you? you learn a lot about authenticity as you've gone and grown through mm -hmm. your career maybe you can take us through that learning process a little bit yeah well grant mentioned that a conversation that i had with andrea swenson where i feel like i might have covered this a little so i'm sorry if it's redundant to you if you've heard it, but it's, it's good. Not it's at all. Helpful. We'll, um, we'll show notes that too. But I think for a long time, basically until I did this specific project, Tiny Desk, that I do now, um, I thought that I thought of music and like my music career as sort of like inherently passive. Like I kind of just thought, okay, well, this opportunity kind of just crosses your path, and then that leads to this thing and this thing, and you're sort of just along for the ride, and. I knew that none of the music I was making was really quite what I wanted to be making, but I was sort of under the impression um, just from like empirical evidence of how my career had gone that that's just how music careers are, that things just sort of happen and lead you one place or the next place, and then you just sort of take this opportunity if it makes sense and start working with these people because you know them and whatever. And um, I had a point where with the chalice, I really thought that that's what the next four or five years of my life was going to be. Um, and then when we stopped doing that sort of abruptly, I gave me an opportunity to have kind of a reset and really recalibrate. Like, what mm. is my life going to look like as an artist? And what do I want to do with my time? It kind of just like blew everything open. And I, for the first time ever, was sort of like, oh, I can just choose my path and I can just choose... Maybe. What kind of music I want to make. And and you can just do it that way, too. You don't have to just do whatever seems like it makes sense or what's convenient or the logical next step. Um, and so I had been working on these songs with another Grant, Grant Cutler. Mm. Um, I know. Mm. Wow. <laughs> it, really confused, it really confused my band's management when I was trying to explain that I was doing this. Yeah. With Grant, and they're like, wait, Grant? But Grant, and I'm like, but, no, 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 different Grant. <laughs> um, but anyway. Man, I just want to be at the top of the pile <laughs> at the end of all this. I know that's two best. very excellent Grants. Okay, that's fair. That's um, fair. I love his production. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> but so I think that since we'd already been working on these songs, in my mind when we started working on them, The Chalice was on tour, and that so, was... 
let's take a slight step back though. Yeah. For the uninitiated and yeah. even just for us, like I'm curious to hear, and then we should talk about the chalice. Yeah. I think that's an interesting divergent point yeah. that I would like to dig into. But yeah. where did music slash creation in this medium or maybe creation prior or just generally, where did that come from or where did that start? Oh my gosh, that's like a whole nother can of worms. Well, I mean, oh, all the way back. We don't, we don't have to dig too deep. Well, but I was like, born. I, no. I mean, I am <laughs> curious though. Like I think... I think those things are interesting contexts. Yeah. Well, I've been writing songs since I was in... Where does uh, authenticity come from, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. All the way back, baby. All the way back. Well, I started <laughs> writing songs when I was in kindergarten. Wow. Um, really all the way back. Yeah. And I used to... It actually kind of amazes me now as an adult songwriter because I, I don't think I could do this as an adult. I think in some ways your mind is just a lot more open as a Uninhibited. kid. Uninhibited. But I used to just write songs. I never played an instrument. I used to just write songs totally a cappella, off the top of my head. And I would I started writing them like waiting for the bus and stuff at school. I would just be standing on the street and make up little songs. And then eventually later in my adolescence would come home after school and write full songs and record them. I had one of those iMacs. Um, I got it when I was like 10 or 11 that... Uh, was one of those big ones that were like came in different colors and they were kind of see-through. Mine was like red oh, yeah. and see-through. Like the plastic. And I, on, I had GarageBand, like a very preliminary version of GarageBand. And I used to just, because I didn't have any way to write them down, I couldn't read music, I didn't play an instrument, I would just record little GarageBand demos of songs I would write after school and I amassed like hundreds and hundreds of them by the time I was in high school. And I actually didn't find out until I think middle school I found out that, that was weird, and so I stopped yeah. telling people about it because I thought that everybody came home after school and wrote songs. Yeah. Like, I just didn't talk to anyone about it, so I didn't know that that wasn't totally normal. <laughs> um, so I thought that that's just kind of like you come home, you do your homework, you write a song, you eat dinner, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, you know. I can oh, yeah. confirm not everyone does yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so then once I found out it was weird, I kind of kept it more like a secret and then um, ended up... I was in a small town. I moved from New York City to a small town, Minnesota, when I was in middle school. It was pretty miserable. Um, and then eventually kind of found a way out in the sense that I went to boarding school at the arts high school at Perpich. Oh, yes. Um, and that kind of, I feel like, changed everything. Like, I started learning how to play guitar when I was there, opened up songwriting a little bit for me, and also just meeting all those other artists and musicians and realizing that, like, the normal people, quote-unquote, that thought I was weird for playing music, there was a whole nother subsect of people who were also weird and made art and like that there was like a place for me, like where I was normal for being like actually my authentic self buzzword of the day. Yep, um, yep. And then I sort of was just like, wow, like there, this is really like what I want to do as a career and not just as, I feel like every kid has the pipe dream of like being a rock star and being on stage, but just sort of like, this is like my career path. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so that kind of started everything. And I mean, and, and then it seems like that's kind of what, that was a situation you found yourself in when you did the chalice. And maybe you could tell us a little bit yeah. about that. Yeah. So that's actually this, this in, in college um, at this point. No. Okay. So I'm going to try and make this as short as possible. Oh, it's okay. We're I literally mean, going through. I'm 26. So this is like my entire yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, we, we've got nowhere to be. I mean, okay. Um, <laughs> if you're cool, we're cool. Uh, hopefully people listening to this don't know. Oh, this <laughs> is the fucking interesting stuff. We can listen to like 
20 minute interviews and like 30 second sound bites and bullshit yeah. and no, like we want to peel back the point, players yeah the point of this is to especially have especially like when we talk about authentic, authentic, cool, yeah. yeah conversation um okay so take your time so I went to Perpich and when I graduated I went to Bennington College in Vermont for a year which is sort of like an upper tier liberal arts school like um a, a tier or two below the Ivy League um but slightly artsier I guess <laughs> and I I was kind of unhappy because I really wanted to be immersed in like a music scene. And I, I mean, me now, to be honest, pushing 30, being in the mountains of Vermont and having no responsibilities besides to take class and like write songs, I would be totally content. But as an 18 year old, I was like, I want to be in a city. Yeah. I want to be like where, sure. the, where everything's happening. So I dropped out of school, moved back to Minneapolis, started waitressing at First Avenue. Um, much to my mom's and the rest of my family's chagrin, although she was actually really supportive because she totally is all about just like following your dreams. And um, so I did that for a year or two and was just playing acoustic, me and a guitar. Um, again, out of necessity, right? Like it wasn't like I really want to do folk music. It was like, all right, what do I know how to play? Acoustic guitar. Okay, what kind of music can you <laughs> yeah. make on an acoustic guitar? Folk music. All right, yeah. well, there you go. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and then I ended up moving down to Austin, Texas for a while. Did not know that. And then just, it was like six months. It was a very short time. Oh. But when I came back, um, I didn't know anyone really, except that I randomly knew Chris Hooks, who I think you know, mm -hmm. uh, rapper Hooks, I think is what he goes by. Now. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and he he was a friend of a friend. Uh, we had played at the Cafetto Craft Fair together. The, his band, the Tribe and Big Cats, also how I met Spencer, Big Cats. Yeah. So the, we're talking like 2008. 2009 mm -hmm. um and they were like the only people i knew in the music scene because i had the only shows i'd really played um that weren't just like in coffee shops were like the cafeto craft fair and like a couple other outdoor things and they invited me to like sing some hooks on their ep that they were working on and so i did that and then i did a good enough job that i kind of got started getting a reputation for myself as like the girl to ask to sing the hook on your song yeah so i sang with sean anonymous i sang with mally um a few different people and sort of became like a hook girl you know yeah. like the girl who sings the hooks the on the rap song <laughs> the hooker right yeah, oh yep, god exactly oh god. wait um, hold on wait hold wait. <laughs> wait but so again same theme right recurring theme of like just convenience and sort of like what the universe like presented me. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I'm here and the only people I know make hip hop, so I guess I'll just sing on their songs. And then I knew all these producers from singing hooks and stuff, and everyone was like, you should do your own record. And I was like, oh, well, what would it sound like? And I'm like, well, I guess I'll just ask these people to make me beats and then I'll just sing over them. So I made this solo record um, that was an R&B record. And I really feel like it sort of, I think it's pretty good actually, but I think it kind of just sounds like the hook of a hip hop song, but like three and a half minutes long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Cause I really didn't know right. like what I, I didn't know what I wanted to sound like. And I didn't, I knew I was listening to like, I was already listening to like beach house and grizzly bear and stuff like that. But I didn't even see that as an option. Cause I didn't know anyone who was making that kind of thing. I only knew people in hip hop. Um, and during that time, when I started making my record, I met Lizzo and Sophia Aris, who at the time was going by Lauren, which is her real name. Um, and they were like the only other girls I ever ran into at shows, at hip hop shows, because <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like very male dominated. Yeah. And so we just kind of became friends. And then they asked me to sing on this one song that they were working on. And that was the song called Push It, which 
ended up being like the single that they played out on the current a bunch and stuff. And that one song and the reaction to it made us make more songs. And then before I knew it, I was like in this band and um, we, I mean, we were only together for like two years, but we won all these awards and like local awards not like grammys (laughs) but like we got like kind of a lot of buzz locally Mm -hmm. and we're all of a sudden playing like the current's birthday party and like on the cover of the city pages and like all this stuff happened super fast Mm -hmm. and i was sort of same theme right like okay well i was singing hooks with hip-hop guys so i started making friends in the hip-hop scene outside i met these girls and they were making this kind of music so i just kind of joined with them and one thing led to another. Like one thing led to another was literally the phrase you could use to define my entire career <laughs> until yes. dun dun dun. So like Chalice has this national management. We have lawyers. We're gonna start meeting with major labels. It's like going places. Getting pretty serious. And then we all just sort of decided to stop doing it um, because we were all like truly like our hearts weren't really in it, and they never. It was supposed to be a fun side project, and it ended up being this really serious thing. And Lizzo's singular goal like as long as i've known her has been to do the lizzo show you know yeah so she was unhappy because she wanted to spend more time doing her solo stuff Mm -hmm. and i don't even really wasn't really even like that into the music we were making so it was sort of all like wait hold on we're about to sign our lives away for like the next however many years like maybe put the brakes on this and that's when i like when i started the story of like so my whole career in life had sort of been like one opportunity leads to another. And for the first time, I just had everything kind of blown wide open. Like, okay, but what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because I literally, when I started doing Tiny Deaths, like had kind of resigned myself. Like this might go nowhere and I might never like, it might not be as as popular as the chalice was which is so funny to me to think about now because yeah. we were just like a local band but in my i mean that's I mean, it all was, it was big in that context yeah though, right? and that's all i had ever known i mean i'd never really done anything national you know but so i was like but i don't really care i just want to like make at least one record in my life that is what i want you know and that has led me to tying us being like my full-time job which mm. is pretty cool what a a road what a road (laughs) how long has tiny desk been a thing at this point um i think three years three years since we started working on the music i mean this so powerful right like just like a lot of what you're talking about is just getting over the expectations or the idea of a thing a lot of it's like bullshit yeah but you can't really blame you know like 20 year old grant 20 year old claire yeah because it's like oh yeah of course like that's it seems so big and so important, yeah. but it's just like a reprioritization yeah. and you just realize like, oh wait, it, it doesn't fucking, none of that's real. Like, yeah. The most empowering thing about it, I think, is that, you know, when you're going off of like what's convenient or what makes sense, quote unquote, very heavily uh, yeah. quoted, what makes sense. You can't see me doing air quotes because it's a podcast, but air quotes. <laughs> we do that frequently. What yeah. makes shout sense. Out, out. But when you, when you are relying on that and you're relying on like hype and buzz and like all that other stuff, you know, that's very fickle. And when it goes away, you're not left with anything, any kind of foundation or any like sense of self, because if you don't see yourself in what you're doing and you're not executing your vision, like there's no solid foundation underneath all of the extraneous stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you make 
music or art or whatever that you're proud of that you really like, then even if everything else goes away, at the end of the day, you have like records that you'd listen to. You know, mm -hmm. you have like something to show for it. Mm -hmm. And it also just gives you a lot more confidence to like put it out in the world. Because for me with this music, you know, I don't feel like, oh, what if they like it? What if they don't like yeah. it? I'm like, all right, fuck it. I like it. I hope you like it. I mean, this is, this <laughs> you know? is a beautiful place to be <laughs> but, tapped into. Yeah. This is this is like making stuff from a from an authentic place yeah. is fucking so powerful and liberating. Yeah. This is very much like a well, on the reverse of this, yeah. Um there's a book called War of Art, Stephen mm -hmm. Pressfield, very powerful. Absolutely love it. I'll have to and read that. Yeah, I would strongly recommend it. It's so e it's a very easy read. Mm -hmm. But on the reverse side of that is so when you let go of expectations in general, you that doesn't mean doesn't mean letting go of like the work ethic. Like mm -hmm. clearly that's there. Like anyone yeah. with the energy, like that's there to do the yeah. work. But um, it's also letting go of the results if they're positive mm -hmm. to a degree. Yeah. And like to not, it's not even just about shielding yourself from the negative, mm -hmm. but it is just like about realizing like you're, it gets kind of spiritual and yeah. I, it, I'm not even like, I'm into that. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. So. But, it, but it's, it's like, you're sort of a vessel for, yeah. for the quote unquote muse, you know? And so to think of yourself as more than that, is is like egotistical yeah so like the positive results from this thing doesn't matter or the negative th results d that doesn't matter either mm -hmm. the beauty is like if you sit down and do the work yeah if you put an authentic effort for yeah. something that feels real you've already d like you've done all you can like and you have to just like be at peace with that and that's like so liberating yeah and i think as to your point of sort of not going with the positive feedback or the negative feedback i think that the like best thing you can be is sort of like uh, emotionally and spiritually and whatever mentally just stable and strong and have a strong foundation and in order to have that you really have to sort of like be an anchor that isn't really swayed by like positive or negative feedback and just sort of like standing strong yeah. in your own convictions and your own and like yeah notes the grindstone do good work do work you're proud of but whether you're feeding into the positive feedback or negative feedback, either way, you're sort of like swaying. You're not really stable. You're being like pushed by this wave or wind or whatever you, however you want to think of it. So I feel like for me, it's just important to like look forward, keep making music and not buy too much into it, good or bad, like what other people say about it, you know? Totally. I, I mean... It was so poignant when you said the the story of your career so far could be summed up as until now. Yeah. You know, I how how did you put it? One thing leads to yeah. another. Yeah. I think that's super insightful and interesting. I think something a lot of people can really across all types of art can identify with. Mm -hmm. um, I think when we're looking for authenticity. It's kind of it boils down to a pretty simple question of just asking why you're doing something. Yeah. And that's not always easy to answer though. Yeah. So maybe you could, you know, shed a little light on why you're doing what you do. Um well, I had never made a record that I would really sit down and listen to just by my own taste standards. Like I think I made good quality stuff for what I was making. I never put out anything that was like crap I don't think but I never um or not intentionally <laughs> but I never like made a record that like would fit in with like my playlist or my record collection mm -hmm. or anything so what you know what I set out to do with this stuff was just to make music that if I heard it I would listen to it For even you. if it wasn't yeah. me you know um which 
I mean, obviously, it's different to listen to your own music because you're hyper. I'm hypercritical of it, but it's it's a style and a sound and songs that I like and that I, you know, can a hundred percent stand behind and would fit, feel right at home with the music that I listen to, which I seems weird in the ten years I had been playing music before that, but I had never made songs like that before. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, it's like a natural. Again, you're being pushed. You do whatever yeah. you do for other people. I think there's a really strong parallel, I think, um, in commercial stuff. And I, I have a question for you, Vince. I really want to hear something from you. But with when I'm working with – I work with a lot of different creatives, mm-hmm. like designers or writers or whatever, producing all sorts of projects. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing – because, like, I don't want to be a manager. That's, like, my nightmare. Yeah. And so I'm more of, like, a cultivator or a director in some yeah. ways. Like – Directing is probably a good, but uh, my um, hope and my request of that person is that like I I'm not gonna tell them the answer to like let's just say design design such a good example mm-hmm. it's like sometimes someone will bring a design back to me like a round of design work mm-hmm. and my question to them is really just like like because the, there's lots of talking that goes on like mm-hmm. pitching the idea like talk and then it's like at the end of it, it's like yeah like do you like it. And if the answer is no, then like, okay, yeah, like go back and do more. Because like, th- that's the point. I, sp- I feel like design work has totally fucking like hammered that into my head, which yeah. is like at the end of it, like if you're not happy with it, like it's just not gonna, it's just, yeah. it's not good. I mean, not saying it's not good, but like that's what you want a designer to that's bring That's the you. best you can offer. I mean, I feel like with music and art and design, everyone has already done everything. And there's a million other people making art and at any given time, making music, making whatever, you know. So if you can't re- you can't really do anything that just like on its own sounds that different than anyone else, like because it's all sort of been done. But you can make something that's like authentically you that you Makes authentically you feel 100 percent. Feel good about it. Like it's like looking in a mirror. Yeah. yeah. Do you, you know? feel good about this? <laughs> Yeah. And if I, not, then like... <laughs> that's like the best you can offer. Yeah. You know? And I really think the audience can tell yeah. when art is authentic. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think even if they can't articulate why they can tell, yeah. they have a sort of a sixth sense for it. Mm-hmm. When you're passionate and when you're authentic about creating something, it just comes out in the work. When you're, and when you're diligent, if you care enough, you will have... Dot all the I's, cross all the T's. You will have done everything you can to make it the best it can because you're that bought into it yourself. That and I think the other thing that I didn't think about before and that I think a lot of people don't think about is beyond just making the music itself better. Like this is a really hard career and it's really not worth it if you're not making music that you really believe in. Like it's like so hard. It's emotionally draining. (laughs) There are much easier ways to like just like if you want to float through anything. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can do that. You could like go make a lot of money doing X or, you know, Y. But, like, if you're going to, like, fucking put your... This is, like, soul-bearing yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, in art, art, any sort of art um, business, where whether it's, like, music or, you know, movies or whatever it may be, is just not the place to, like, hedge your bets or whatever the phrase is, unless you really believe in what you're doing. Because yeah. it's, like, way too hard it's of a career. <laughs> you know? It's, like, so inconsistent. <laughs> it's really emotional. It's very, like, the kind of people it attracts sometimes are just incredibly like um unstable and like difficult (laughs) you know so Uh if you don't really love what you're doing i would say it's definitely not worth it (laughs) you know so so i was curious the question i did want to ask you vince was Mm -hmm. 
like, I'm curious how authenticity plays into your work in general. Obviously, there's like personal stuff that is obviously just a representation of you. And then there's like the commercial art side. And I'm curious, like, just how that for you, maybe just like philosophically or like in practice, what does that look like? Authenticity in the workplace. And for um, for clarity, Vince is a copywriter at an agency called Yamamoto. Okay. Yes. Kind of a funny question because authenticity and advertising don't necessarily go hand in hand, at least maybe not in the cultural forethought. But I think when you're trying to be, you always try to be, bring a level of authenticity to your work. I think you should, even if you're not doing something that's tapped into who you are as an artist, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're at least trying to do an authentic job of portraying your own taste, your style, your work ethic. It's not always easy. I think something you can do in advertising, something I try to do is be auth- try to be authentic for the people we're working for. Allow an authentic version of their message to go through you. Mm-hmm. And I think I can sometimes do a good job of it. I can sometimes do all right with it. But it's just such a different beast than writing mm. for yourself. It, it really doesn't feel like the same. I mean, it's writing. It's putting words on a page. It just it doesn't feel like the same maneuver. It doesn't Dude. even see, feel like the same actions being taken. Well, you know what it is? I'm realizing this as we're talking about it. Like It's similar with any client work where a good client is someone who has like some semblance of an idea or some semblance of a thing they want to express. But the difficult thing comes in in trying to create an authentic identity for someone who doesn't have it. And so now like you're trying to just like manufacture and but, twice but, removed. Right? But yeah. dude, I think the beauty in client work or in advertising that I have found is when like an example would be, we were, we were working on this um, like manifesto ethos style video for that. I showed you that for Lux. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what was fucking cool about it? Lux is like a venture capital firm okay. and they fund like, really like audacious entrepreneurs who are doing really amazing work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's pretty important and cool. Yeah. And, but they're like the finance people, you know? So they're like, they're like, you know, they have the money, they yeah. give the money, but like their mission is, is so cool. And so in that situation, it's like, fuck yeah, let me figure out a way to like, cause you have a really strong identity, yeah. but you don't know exactly how to express it. And that's where like an artist or like mm-hmm. someone who, it like can tap into the communication can actually like bring that to life. But it is so tough when there's like a shithead on the other side who doesn't have anything worthwhile to say and then wants you to create. Yeah. yeah. Manufactured authenticity is worse yes. than just a Toxic. lack of authenticity well, in the first place. Well, that's why brands shouldn't be allowed to have Twitter because it's like the, <laughs> that's like the perfect example just as like a layman who's not involved in like client work stuff. Like, seeing how brands try and appear authentic or like current or hip on the internet is just like so cringe inducing. Dude, but, but the the great thing is the great countermeasure to that is that we're as consumers so good at spotting it. It ne- it's never successful. Yeah. Fake authenticity is a non-starter. It's rampant, but it, it I really think it is more harmful than it is helpful cuz we have such good bullshit detectors it's the same thing you're talking about with like you can feel it when it's not real in the work it's because we've been exposed to so much like cinema Mm -hmm. so much advertising so much storytelling yeah like there is like an intuition that has not existed in a generation ever of humans before us Mm -hmm. so here's the challenging thing yeah and this is something i think about even like i'm i'm very early like i do a lot of individual work but i'm very early in like any 
other like I'm I'm trying to do a lot of different things. Yeah. But when I think about like musically, like I I've been thinking a lot about bands and about like the mechanisms and having a lot of people behind one thing mm-hmm. makes it really difficult to have a unified identity and that's where you get into some issues with a brand trying to have a Twitter because yeah. this is one voice representing a lot of people and there's one person that then has to take in all of these inputs and and then it's just like so this is the same with a band yeah. like there have to be like that sounds really intense to like have a band. <laughs> yeah, I think that I experienced that a lot more with the Chalice than with Tiny Deaths because Tiny Deaths kind of functions. Um, I mean, it's definitely like a partnership between me and Grant musically. Like the records are very 50 50, I would say, as far as who has input and stuff. But he kind of defers to me on most of the. Like I kind of run the ship as far as everything else goes. Yeah. So, like, our. Um, like. I hate the word brand, but just the what what it looks like and like what you kind of think of when you think of our music, yeah, our aesthetic. I kind of like oversee all that stuff. I I oversee our social media and like kind of produce our videos and stuff like that. And then obviously Grant has final say on yes, no on everything, but I'm kind of the um the the driving force behind it and i think it's actually a lot more sustainable of a model for that reason because too many cooks in the kitchen gets really messy i think it's a a lot like woodbridge me and woodbridge oh absolutely it it, like co-directing stuff Mm -hmm. it was like but there was very clearly one of us whose voice was shining through yeah and the other was just supporting them but it was just like it's like partnership in general and then we help find a way for each project and then the titles kind of don't matter but yeah but that can only exist in an in an environment of trust, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. So Absolute trust, trust. Trust both in yourself and others is something that I think is really integral mm. to authenticity. Mm-hmm. And mistrust or miscommunication or, you know, uncertainty or insecurity is the enemy of authenticity, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honesty. That honesty, and that starts with self. Yeah. And that's really, that's so fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Being honest with yourself is the hardest person to be honest with. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, not to sound like a self-help book, but yeah. it's true, right? I think <laughs> I think our situation is sort of unique in that. Um, I think, as far as what we want out of stuff, like I am very inspired. I think basically Grant and I's roles in the band are limited to what we're inspired by. And I think that that's really important as far as, yeah, the authenticity stuff goes. So he's really inspired on the musical side of things. And the other part of stuff like um, like what it like what the videos look like, what the album art looks like, all that stuff. He just he doesn't really care that much about that stuff, whereas I find that stuff really inspiring. So we kind of um, take the helm on. And like interviews and things like that. Like I love doing that. I love talking to people about our music. Mm. I love talking to people about other things. Like I just like meeting people and talking to them. I don't mind doing interviews and things. And he like it's like pulling teeth for him. Yeah. So I feel like we keep our roles limited to what we're inspired by, what we excel at, what what we feel authentic in as far as our roles go. And I think a lot of bands, the issues are like people trying to fit square pegs into round holes or too many people being inspired by the same things where you have like, everyone is really into the idea of conceptualizing a video and everybody. Yeah. Like, I think it's more like a puzzle piece, like finding somebody just like in a relationship, a romantic relationship or whatever, finding someone who's, wants and needs and interests are complementary to your Mm -hmm. own not just mirroring your own Mm -hmm. you know so well said 
I would like to get into maybe a little bit of a lower level conversation, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a, t- a technical conversation, yeah. maybe. You mentioned that you finally feel like you're making music that you want to listen to mm-hmm. that would fit into your playlist. Yeah. I think you said. How would you describe the music you're making now? Um, I've, I mean, I've had to learn how to describe it over a, a few years because this question comes up a lot. Um, I think it's, I think dreamy is like the main word I would use to describe it. It's definitely feels like ethereal and kind of stacy, but the other word would be moody, um, which I think that was something that was really lacking for me in every other project I'd done was just sort of that undercurrent of and that depth of um, mood and like I feel like Tiny Desk exists in a very specific space and realm and when you listen to it it feels cohesive and it feels like you went somewhere and like that mood and that vibe that we're creating is something that again I find really inspiring having a project that um, is sort of consistent in that way um, but I guess it's it's been described as like dream pop, electronic pop, um, indie. That's such a broad term. I don't even yeah. really know what that means. I, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the meaning of that word has disintegrated over yeah. the last 10 years. <laughs> Maybe if we get permission, we can drop in like a little clip here. Ooh. Yeah. You have my permission? Yes. Permission boom. It's yes. Cool. Right. So <laughs> you're about to hear some clips from Tiny Dust. Yeah. Walked of the right. That was great. I know, I assume it was great because I listened to some of it today and I really yeah. liked it. So that's cool. I'm always interested in that. I'm always interested right because you're, you're a scribe. I mean, and so that is your art is words. the art of description, right? <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes, and describing your own style and your own work mm-hmm. and even your own personality is pretty tough. Yeah, that's why I don't like to write our bio like our any of the yeah my bio or the band's bio because it's really hard to talk about yourself that's very difficult to do it is it is it's not I mean it sounds funny coming from sometimes people see artists as um, kind of driven by ego and I think that's true to an extent we all have you know our our personalities and our egos are wrapped in our work Mm -hmm. so they're kind of inseparable but it's despite that independent of that it's difficult to categorize yourself yeah but it sounds like you have a I've had a lot of practice attempting to categorize it. So that's the best I've come up with. I would say dream pop is like that phrase would be the it's best nice way one. to describe it. I think that it, sounds, it sounds right accurate. To me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels good. I, I like the, I like saying moody though, because yeah. it is less like, mm, I don't want to say like, uh, not like, it's not like it's a veneer, but just like that, like lightheartedness of some other stuff. It does yeah. feel like there's like a kind of not dark energy, but like no, yeah, darkly optimistic. Accurate. Like it feels like it's like acknowledging. I think that's what's kind of unique. I mean, obviously, like I said earlier, nothing's really unique at that point at this point. But like what feels unique um, to me about our music is that it does have a lot of the like hallmarks of the aesthetic of dream pop 
that it's always historically had, but also there's this undercurrent of like sort of dark moodiness yeah. to it that I think doesn't exist in a lot of that stuff, which mm-hmm. is basically what you're saying. And also lyrically, yeah. um, I think because I come from like a singer songwriter background, I think I'm more lyrics driven than a lot of like dream pop vocalists. Are. Yeah, because a lot of dream pop, if we're categorizing, it's like you can't even hear you can, like the a lot of times it's like indecipherable yeah. yeah so it's more like noises yeah and i consider myself a songwriter first mm. and a singer second cuz mm. i i wrote songs before i really had any sort of identity as a singer so the lyrics are really important to me and um I think that even in the songs where there are certain songs where they're a little more abstract, like not as much storytelling. Like I would say The Gardener is more of a storytelling song, whereas like Ocean is more of um, like abstract, sort of like here's a, an idea or a concept and here's another kind of related idea or concept and they're sort of maybe loosely strung together. But I always put a lot of effort and a lot of thought um, and time into the lyrics. Like they're never an afterthought, no mm. matter what the kind of vibe or style is of the song. Love it. I mean, I think that's important, at least to me. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> a lot of people don't care. A lot of people <laughs> don't even notice, but it's for me. It's not for them. So I mean, I yeah, I think I thrive and get most excited by like the nuances and the depth. Yeah. That's why we do a podcast that isn't, you know, 15 minutes. That's why we do it. Because yeah. it's like that stuff. Uh, completist is a term I've been using more and more the last like few months. But I just feel like like being a completist, like someone who uh, fully like has has like gen or like more context. Mm-hmm. I feel like every like layer of context adds more intrigue, more interest, mm-hmm. and more like actuality to the thing that you're seeing. Yeah, you know, and that doesn't take away from someone who's on layer one of context. Like you're standing in a gallery, you look at a thing, mm-hmm. you don't know their whole story. But I do think like you can have that context first and then you can go to layer two and layer, and each one has like a new story for you. And that's like, yeah. you c- I feel that way. I love, like, I love hearing the sort of like director's commentary kind of yeah. things. And I love like when people d- talk about what they meant when they wrote a song um, and that sort of, like, I love, I love that stuff. I want to know more about, some people like the mystery and like not knowing and stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm totally in that camp of like, where, what were you thinking when you wrote this line, you know? Mm-hmm. And the more thought that goes into it, the more depth of understanding and of, um, authenticity that goes into the work, the more layers that are uncoverable for the audience. Mm-hmm. There's more to find, there's more to discover. Yeah. And it makes for a, a deeper and more enriching consumption experience, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of what I set out to do lyrically and like songwriting wise with these songs is to maintain my integrity as a songwriter and like a lyricist, but still not and but still maintain the musicality of the genre and not make it like because I feel like a lot of like lyrical songs, whether they're like rap or, or folk or whatever, are kind of a chore to listen to. Like the musicality kind of just like falls by the wayside so that they can like say what they want to say. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to, you know, find a happy medium between both where yeah. there's still you can listen to our music in the background and have it just be like setting a vibe or a mood and you don't have to be listening to lyrics to enjoy it but the lyrics are there if you want to hear them you know cool that's an interesting like middle ground of music to be playing I think I mean really it is it's really cool yeah it speaks to a lot of I mean someone who's taking just a first blush understanding of what you just said might call that like a humble point of view, but I don't think that's necessarily true. It's just like an honest and it's an understanding point mm-hmm. of view about the nature of the music. I think. Yeah. I, th- really I like that. I like that as an approach to as an artist, 
And I really, yeah, I really like that because like make stuff that people can consume on layer one mm-hmm. and like doesn't hit them over the head with, yeah. but then like f- for the people, I mean, shit, man, we've talked about this too. Like th- I realized like the person I'm making stuff for is like the super fan, mm-hmm. but of course you, st- I, that doesn't mean I wanna, don't want to make stuff yeah. for people on a different level who are never, ever going to be like super yeah. fan. But like, that's cool. Like playing in that field and that balance is like, or even if it's the out. same super fan, like you don't always want to be a super active yeah. listener every yeah. single day, even if you <laughs> sure. are a super fan. Yeah, Sometimes you're just driving. Like I was playing the EP for my friend when I was in California in December and we were driving up in like the Redwoods, um, up, like an hour north of San Francisco. Um, and we were driving along the coast on um, Highway 1 and the song like the songs were playing in the background in the car but we were having a conversation over them but she just wanted to hear them but she wasn't like sitting there actively like i'm listening to the songs because yeah. that's awkward so they're yeah, just playing and they set yeah. a really nice tone for our drive along the coast with the ocean and the mountains it was like a beautiful day and you know there's something to be said for that and i yeah. think that you don't you shouldn't have to choose as a listener like these these can be songs that like get you through a breakup and people have told me that they've been like oh this mm. song it's like totally what i was going through or Ooh. it can just be your soundtrack for driving along dude the ocean. it's state dependent state dependent yeah. art like that actually speaks to people in different states mm-hmm. like that's fucking same person masterful even. like yeah, yeah state it's like yeah. completely it's like they're really set like oh yeah not that you need to think through every single state that yeah. someone might be in but having i think having you know what that is? That's like 360 art. That's like art that has yeah. like f- complete depth mm-hmm. and like is fully formed. And that's where it's somewhat subjective yeah. and not quantifiable. But it really is like no matter what angle you look at it from, because mm-hmm. every angle is a different state. Like, yeah. I'm really sad over here. I don't want to listen that hard. So I'm going to stand like cl- further away. Yeah. I, all these different like, fu- <laughs> holy shit. I just <laughs> knocked my watch on the table. <laughs> but all, cool. I, it felt like epiphany noise. That was like the epiphany noise. And I'm freaking out over here and I'm making like hand gestures. Cause I genuinely am like really excited about this. Yeah. It's like, no matter what angle you look at it from, it still like says something. Yeah. And that's fucking cool. Yeah. And that's what, <laughs> and I think I, in the same sense of like, um, being authentic whatever i think that's something that i was missing in my playlist of like listening to i don't want to name names because i'm not trying to like shit on other bands but sure, like we'll, i was you'll tell us off air and yeah. we'll show notes them <laughs> we'll put them we'll list them text bands. yeah then you'll play snippets of their music yeah, right. yeah. without permission um no but like there were songs that were musically so moving to me and like just really Sometimes even if they're in another language or something, they just really feel right for a moment, like the, like the musical element the of it. It feels like fully formed. Right. But lyrically, I didn't feel like anyone was really like saying something where I was like, oh man, I really relate to that or that like really says exactly what I want. So I was kind of just trying to make the songs that felt just right for a moment or that you could have to like set a vibe or set a mood, but like keep, you know, coming from a place that I'm coming from as a lyricist, maintaining that like lyrical integrity mm. um, within that genre. Like I was kind of trying to, I made those songs because I didn't feel like they existed. Like I didn't think there were that many people making songs that I could listen to that had the other degrees of the 360 degrees, you know? Yeah, so no, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, like, leaving space for people to create meaning, but also like having intention and meaning mm-hmm. there yeah. if you're looking for it. Yeah. 
Ooh, love it. And man, <laughs> I do. I do. What a conversation. And, <laughs> and it really, it brings us to a point when, when I'm thinking of comprehensive, full, beautiful things, I got to say, Vin, there's one thing that comes to mind. Yeah. What is it, Graham? What's that? Uh, I, we don't like to date the show, but True. I think this is maybe a rare case where it's okay. I say go for it. We're recording on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> the 5th and of May. The yeah. 5th of May. And I really fucking love tacos, as I think our guest knows. <laughs> yeah. She once accompanied the Taco Boys. And read the Taco Boys with Marissa, I'm interested right? where this is going. Oh, yeah. so <laughs> every week we, we uh, have a topic. We have a, a thing that is not particularly germane That's how we like to, to say the other topic, the yeah. thing that we're actually talking about. Yeah. It's an off-topic topic, if oh, you perfect. will. Okay. And so this week we're talking about tacos, which, man, we are... We're really investing in you, Claire, with authenticity as a topic. That's like a big money investment <laughs> podcast topic-wise. And number Huge. two, tacos. I literally identify as a taco boy. <laughs> I'm in a group <laughs> chat called Taco Boys. You know how important tacos are to me. I really do. I'm honored. Maybe, <laughs> hey, maybe, <laughs> maybe, you. maybe if, for we're feeling, realizing it. if we're feeling extra ambitious, I'll find the photo we took at Rusty Taco and we'll show notes that. I haven't seen that. You haven't photo. seen that? We did take one. We had somebody take our photo. It's like a it's like a little it's joke among them. <laughs> I would like to see it. Yeah. But... Oh, we'll find that. We got you. Um, so yeah, we're talking we're talking day, tacos. Time. Yeah, talking tacos. Do you like tacos? Um yeah, I'm a human with a beating heart, of course I do. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Does anyone yes. not yes, like tacos? They're not like a very polarizing food, are they? I mean, I feel like no, everybody No, I think you're right about tacos. that. I think that most people at least do like I lo- them. I, I love tacos, though. I feel like everyone at least casually likes them. I love tacos. I wish, I, like, Minneapolis has some great taco spots. Mm-hmm. No hate. But I really wish we had more taco options here. I feel like we well, are kind of lacking a we're little. Pretty far north. For pretty far north for, for the, the taco, taco game scene. To be a plus I have plus. lived in Austin, Texas. Ooh. So and I have spent a it. lot of time in California. Yes. Yes. So okay. doubly. So I I know what I know what the the outer limits of possibility are sure. for a taco. You've culture. tasted close to yeah, peak taco. Yeah. You've licked, also you've licked the actually. Zenith. Can I get on my soapbox for a second oh, about yeah. t- taco related subject? <laughs> so in Austin, at coffee shops, any just like it, the Minneapolis equivalent would be like an Urban Bean or. A uh, spy house, or just any like coffee centric place, coffee anyway, spot. or even not trendy, even like um, okay. Bob's Java Hut or wherever. Sure. There, instead of just muffins and croissants, everywhere has breakfast tacos. That oh, is like wow. That is like a consistent thing. Like if you go to a coffee yeah. shop, if you go to a restaurant, if you go to anywhere in Austin, Texas, in the morning, you can get. A corn tortilla with eggs and like a variety of toppings on it, and that's just like a normal thing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, y- you're hard pressed to find a breakfast taco in Minneapolis. Oh, that's, I, that's not a good one. Especially a good one. I mean, Rusty, the aforementioned Rusty, yeah. does have them, but not not my. I'm not a huge fan. Like, there's a place called Bolden Creek in Austin, and they have um, like TVP, which is like a f- fake meat, but like veggie chorizo one, mm-hmm. and. But like literally, I would say at least two to three different kinds of breakfast tacos at any coffee shop in Austin. Respect. And that's oh, huge. So more context. Your dietary restrictions or dietary... <laughs> Sorry, what? Well, it's just boring. Um, is it boring? I, I, I find it interesting. I'm a completist. I don't eat dairy um, for a variety of reasons. Um, 
One yeah. of which being because I'm a singer. To, I wasn't trying to like but no, crucify I, your no, digestion. No, no, you're not. You're not. Okay, I just okay. feel like it's like not that interesting. But of course it is. Living in the Midwest. We've talked about it a bunch. Yeah. But like nobody it's fucking knows. Okay. So this is interesting. Living in the Midwest, I literally am a like pariah for not eating <laughs> cheese. <laughs> but right. um, I don't eat dairy and I eat fish, but I don't eat other kinds of meat. So for most of you Midwesters, Midwesterners listening who think taco is meat and cheese in a flour tortilla. It's mostly not. Open it's your mind not. Yeah. Open, your Open up the taco mind. of your mind. I mean, oh. my ideal my, my ideal taco, <laughs> if I'm like designing it, would be really well-seasoned black beans, which are few and far between, I would say. Like how well people season beans. Yeah. They're definitely an afterthought of the taco world, yeah. I think, oh, yeah. and they're very important. It's it's kind of like the meat. It's like meat. Like yeah. people would draw. It's huge the mortar yeah, of the yeah. taco, yeah. and yeah. people just throw it away. And I mean, in I mean, in Mexico and in a lot of um, places where you would f- actually find a taco, like an authentic Mexican restaurant or something, like meat is really expensive. Yeah. So in a lot of places where that's like a common thing to find, like meat's kind of like a luxury. So beans are a foundation of that yeah. diet. It's not usually meat. It's usually beans with maybe some meat on it on a good day. Um, But yeah, then, I mean, maybe like some vegetables, some sauteed veggies if possible, but not like make or break. Ballin guacamole or avocado. Of some gu- dude, oh, shout out to avocado. Shout out to avocado. Holy shit, man. <laughs> I am like so hyped on avocado. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like avocado are essential to most food meals but it's yes. like especially tacos tacos get people try and give me mix. a taco not get including in avocado the fucking mix it really bums me out um yeah good like pico de gallo or some sort of salsa situation yeah. um something fresh green maybe like lettuce if possible if not whatevs shit and yeah, that's pretty much it that's like my dream taco. I, I find myself cilantro ideal. shit tons Eat of cilantro. cilantro yeah okay yeah that's it. Now I really want taco. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, likewise. damn you. <laughs> it, it could happen. It is Cinco de Mayo. I don't want to go to a taco place today because it's going to be a nightmare. But maybe I'll make it. It's going to be open mind. Going Go with an open mind. Going with an open mind. <laughs> Positive manifestation. It <laughs> won't right, be a shit right. show. Uh, It'll be Vinny, great. Vinny, what's your relationship like with tacos? Mm-hmm. Oh, I like them. I, I would say I love them, but I don't know if I'm like... You you wouldn't categorize as a taco boy. If we're going to rank us, I would say Grant, numero uno, sure. me, somewhere second place. You're like maybe tied with me like, or third place. I sound like third. I sound like a comfortable third. Yeah. I've never lived in the Southwest or in sure. California. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I do love tacos. I think Minneapolis is a little taco week. It's true. <laughs> it is true. It's a little taco week. I do like Nico's. Nico's. Is pretty I've actually good. never eaten there, oh, but wow. we ordered. Oh my god! I actually have a kind of funny story about that Please. place. Me and my friend Lauren, uh, she's the music video director. We met there oh. for for drinks, and we got chips and guacamole, which is honestly to me one of the most perfect foods yes. on earth. Yes, it's pretty unassailable. Um, it's pretty, and it's not like it's not hard. I mean, it's not hard to fuck up, but like you can definitely fuck it up. But I feel like it's easier to find consistent. Guacamole yes, yes, than yes, most yes. other the Mexican cuisines. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's a simple construction. But so we ordered, there was like a small and a large. And 
we were like, we're pretty hungry. We're not eating anything else. Like, what do you think? And she's like, well, small is for like two people. But if you're really hungry, like order, you can order a large. Like I've seen people do that before. And we're like, okay, cool. So we order it. And the bowl of guacamole we got was literally like the size of our, like one of our heads. (laughs) It was like a bucket of guacamole. And we, it set off a a fit of giggles that lasted for out like we couldn't we were trying to have a serious conversation and we like couldn't yeah. because we kept looking down at the bowl <laughs> and just a gallon of guac literally there's nothing more ridiculous because like guacamole is already kind of ridiculous looking it's like yeah. lime green it looks like it's out of like a cartoon or something <laughs> like uh-huh. slime or i don't know it's True. delicious but it looks really weird yes, and then just imagine like a bucket like an obscene amount that's pretty funny. That's yeah. a, I mean, generous portions. Shout out to Nico. Yeah, shout uh, out to Nico's for their generous guacamole. Portion. I actually like the guys. cow tongue taco there. Interesting. Oh. Well, it's really good. That's that seems somewhat closed minded. Like, I th- well, I guess as a like non meat eater. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm if I ate meat, like I don't understand how people eat meat and then are weird about certain different parts of the animal. But I just don't Respect. eat meat at yeah, all. Yeah. yeah. So I was just oh, saying I, that makes sense. I get it. I get <laughs> it. Makes sense. I mean, a lot of people are weird about. I mean. The tongue of a cow isn't the most appetizing part of it, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, they make it really good there. It's cool. I bet you that place they is have like very a busy right now. They have like a cactus taco. Is it good? They do. Have you had it? Yes, I, I have. And it is, it's pretty good. Cactus doesn't taste like a whole heck of a lot, though. Yeah. It's kind of cucumbery. That hmm. makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe I'll make tacos tonight, you guys. Maybe I'll just like go pick up some ingredients and DIY it. Cool. I like yeah, that go, idea. Go grab the ingredients, pop into the kitchen, and we'll <laughs> see you in there in a bit. <laughs> the real best taco I've ever eaten was homemade, and it was sweet potato. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Really? I've made sweet that. Potatoes sweet potato and, and black beans. beans. Yeah. I've done that wow. before. Actually super A little bit of cinnamon. Amazing. Very cool. Ingredient. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I mean, wow. ta- tacos, are, tacos are a very flexible at-home mm-hmm. cook. They're so easy to make, generally. Mm-hmm. And they're also, like, in terms of leftovers, yeah, very good. solid. And they're sustaining. They're, like, they're pretty hearty. And I feel like if we did some research, like, NASA probably sends a lot of tacos <laughs> with our astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That would be awesome as an astronaut space to be taco. like, I miss home, but here are these tacos. Well, at least I have freeze-dried, dehydrated. I will say, your taco description, your ideal taco description, Claire is somewhat off from mine it's mine would have more i really appreciate like a street taco like a kind of like a coastal street taco Mm, that's that's really good too yeah so like that would be more of like a red cabbage or like something like Ooh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i did forget that style that's important i was in i was in cabo and then from there went to san diego in march and i was like taco boy heaven yeah big fan i've also been on this crazy shrimp kick like mm. shrimp has been like my fucking jam, and like I can't stop right now. Who has now. good shrimp tacos around here? I mean, Rusty. Like I'll really? get, I'll get down with Rusty. Nico had a great shrimp burrito, and we there are not a ton of distinctions, honestly, between a burrito and a taco. <laughs> it's just dimension, right? It's kind of dimension. <laughs> it really is. But Nico's had a fantastic shrimp. They do it burrito. really well there. Oh yeah, they have these delicious like pickled. Pickled peppers of some sort, pickled jalapenos, maybe there are. I don't know. Well, I was gonna say when you said cabbage, like if you had curtido, it's like Mm-mm. it's like basically Central American um, oh. kimchi. Okay. Like pickled that's not cabbage, that's kind not, of. That's just the general like description. Okay. Um, and that on a taco is. I fuck with it. Mm-hmm. I also, I mean, give me, the, give me the avocado. Get that in the mix. You're going to have to. Yeah. And then the sauce, <laughs> like depending on what your sauce situation is. What I appreciate about Rusty is they have this really hot 
uh, mango habanero. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, sign if you me like, up. If you like to go spicy, if you like to go five alarm. Absolutely. <laughs> I also have like this weird like emotional connection to this spot called Flake in Venice. And I think it was more, or not more, it was somewhat connected to the time I spent there, which yeah. was like foundational. And I like really fell in love with Venice and LA mm-hmm. when I was out there. But they just had this like really simple breakfast burrito, egg, a little bit of bacon, some avocado. You guys, I'm really hungry. We have to stop talking about tacos. <laughs> All right. I'm well, legitimately it's, it's salivating. It's <laughs> as good a time as any then to transition off it. So thanks for your thanks for your taco love. Yeah. Thanks for being sincere. He knew, he knew what he was in for. He knows that I'm down for the cause. Yes. Yeah, he Shouts did mention it. Claire. He did <laughs> mention it. Uh, and then let me take a quick opportunity to thank you, not only for your taco conversation, but for your conversation <laughs> in general. And for your face. Yeah, Aww, it's been so, thanks, it's been guys. lovely to have you here and to hear your story. And it was an interesting story. It was a compelling story. And it came to a very compelling conversation. Well, thanks. It was great to be here as well. Wow. Well, all right. Such good vibes. <laughs> All uh, the vibes. I'll take the opportunity while I can to ask you two questions. Yes. A couple of them. Two. First, how can our listeners support you, Claire? Um, they can buy our last EP if they want to. Night Great Flowers. place to start. Night it's avail- yeah, Night Flowers. It's available on iTunes. Um, I think Amazon. I should know more places. It's on Netflix. It's yeah. on yeah, it's, it's on, on Twitter. HBO Go. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and pop over there and, and use the offer code ten thousand hours. You can get ten percent off. <laughs> uh, uh, and we'll show notes to the. Well, there's a SoundCloud link, right? Too that would yeah, lead them yeah. some places. You can listen to it for free on SoundCloud and Spotify. But if you want to support, yes, us yeah, yes, using shout that out, shout terminology, out. yeah, please do absolutely. So we'll we'll show notes the iTunes link. Okay. And I would I would strongly recommend it. Like. Likewise. It's really great. I love, I love the music guys are making. It's not the only reason, Hedy on, but it is a reason. <laughs> it's a, yeah, cool. one of many good reasons. Yes. Uh, second question. Mm-hmm. If you would want our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, what would you want that to be? Um. This was a conversation about authenticity. You're someone who's found your own way. I would say, all right, I would say <laughs> life's really short. And so don't waste any more time if you're ready doing it or any time period doing something that feels not quite right or inauthentic. Like start right now, start today and like follow your intuition and your gut and your heart and do something that you can believe in. Ooh, fuck yeah. Wow. <laughs> Very well said. So I mean, nice. <laughs> we, so we have a lot of good like one things from our guests, but that was just so... I'm making, I'm making like a spherical motion with my <laughs> Encapsulating hand. would be good. Yeah, encapsulating. It was so well summed. Well, thanks. Well summed. Well summed. Like, that's like a mathematician's like. I summed you know, it well. I'm very, <laughs> hold on, this very is a analytical. Ma- that's like a mathematician's like wet dream. That's like what somebody <laughs> would say to him like post, post-coitus. <laughs> well, well summed. Well summed. Oh, well, oh my. Well, oh, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so real. It's been, <laughs> it's been super it's real. Been the realest. Perhaps you could sign us off. Uh, we have a customary sign off. Uh, we truly believe at the end of the day, perhaps this is me hearkening back to that completist mentality. Uh, it's it's complete when you ship it. Shipping it is sort of like a great manifestation of that. And I will say, I will commend you on shipping it, on actually putting your art, your art out there, on like showing up, on doing the work, and uh, being vulnerable. It's really dope. So if you could leave us with uh, a Claire, ship it. That'd be great. Ship it. Okay.